Bitcoin questions and challenges our understanding of money and our understanding of how a currency should work. Mm. And it fundamentally changes how we uh, spend and uh, how, how we, how we nicht not spend, treat and own our money. Because once you once you own your Bitcoin and you can um, use it and you don't have a bank getting nosy about it or um, you know some kind of middleman taking fees or stopping payments or asking for documentation or whatnot, you realize that your money in the bank you don't own it. It's probably not even there, and that is the first step to then questioning a lot of things because it's not just finance. It's Then you see how the media talks about Bitcoin and you start seeing, look, there's a lot of reports about Bitcoin that aren't researched at all, that just pick some sensationalized talking points. And then you start questioning, okay, um, is, is that an honest mistake in a specific article or is there an agenda behind it? And then you see things like, for example, um, there was this campaign this change the code campaign where they wanted Bitcoin to move from proof of work to proof of stake or something. Yeah. And they put millions of dollars in that campaign. And then you see the articles and the media reports about it and you see, okay, there's money involved. And then you start thinking from there, if that is how they report on Bitcoin, how do they report on other issues? Hello guys, welcome to the third episode of Bitcoiner, uh, the podcast for Bitcoiners from El Salvador and to the world. Today we have uh, the pleasure to talk with Lina Saish. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Number three, that's cool. Yeah, the third one. <laughs> We're making little steps. <laughs> okay, it. Lina. So first of all, uh, as the other previous episodes, uh, we all I always wanted to meet my guests and of course our audience to miss to to meet our guests. So first of all, can you talk about a little bit about yourself, your background, where are you from? I know you are from Germany, but according to my extended uh, research on Wikipedia, I didn't find anything. <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you're from Germany, but can you talk us uh, talk us about a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'm from Germany. Um, by research, you probably mean I don't actually live in Germany. I haven't lived in Germany for the last nine years or so. Mm -hmm. um, I actually I finished school and then I went straight abroad and I spent the majority of that time I spent in Asia. I'm a really, really big fan out there, especially um, Southeast Asia. So I've lived in Malaysia, Philippines, uh, Japan, Taiwan. Um, wow. Right now I'm in 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 Istanbul, and um, also in like I split my time between Istanbul and Malta, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but yeah, my job is making. Uh, comics and making plushies so i created the they're very famous so. <laughs> I, i would say the, the he's he's, he's yeah, very famous. The, the little um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i've been doing that for um well i started it i the like the idea started 2020 2020 in july I, I, somehow i still remember that vividly because it was in i was living in taiwan at the time and it was you know during the pandemic and the general mood around the world was very stay homey um taiwan actually was not on lockdown the the borders of the country were closed so i was basically stuck in the country um but you could like within the country life was very normal anyway it was still like you should stay <laughs> home and whatever so i was at home <laughs> and uh -huh. um it was around the time bitcoin was like somewhere it was over nine thousand, and we knew it would hit ten thousand sooner or later it was just a matter of time it was the tail end of that uh, 2018 to 2020 bear market um, so the mood was very much like 
okay, we know it's happening soon. We know we've made it through the hardest part. And so I had an idea for, for a tweet, uh, but I didn't know how to write it. So I thought, look, maybe I can, like, somehow I have this pictured in my head. And I thought, yeah, I might as well. And I did a comic um, on, on PowerPoint with, like, stock <laughs> photos. And I just I posted that on Twitter, not expecting much from it. But it then became my my most liked tweet at the time. So I that was the first time I, I saw, okay, look, there's, there's something there. Uh, but then it still took me months until I actually picked this up because I uh, I didn't really think about it much anymore. But then eventually I, I did another one of these a couple months later that was similarly popular. And then I thought, okay, look, I actually have more ideas, but I can't be using stock photos all the time because, first of all, it doesn't have, like, you need to, if I want to present specific scenes, I, it's easier if I just draw it myself. And also, there's a copyright issue, right? You don't want to, yeah. um, you know, anyway. So I needed a character. And that's when I created the little hardware. It was, um, I, I got an iPad and I got just some, like some free drawing software. Uh, mm-hmm. same I still use today. It was perfectly fine for my requirements, actually. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought, okay, I need a, I need a character, but I'm not that great at drawing people. So I did something very simple and little hodler. The way he looks today pretty much was my first attempt. And I thought, look, oh, really? that's, that's good enough. That's simple. And <laughs> I like, I like cute faces. So I just had him like very, like this unassuming friendly face and, um, just went with that. And that's where, where the brand was born. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, it, it really got very popular, like beyond my expectations. And, um, it became a business when I made it into a plushie. <laughs> I just made a plushie because I thought, oh, that's, you know, why not? And I posted the plushie on my Twitter and then people started asking for it. And um, I did a first round that sold out immediately. And then I thought, okay, look, <laughs> let's make this into something more. And uh, that's that's where that came from. Okay. Actually, it was a very like a natural development, actually, and still feels like it. And I'm very happy that, you know, there seems to be some some need that was met with the little hodler. It's kind of the, the, the wholesome side of Bitcoin, I like to say. It's like the, the, the cuddly side of Bitcoin. Yeah, actually, yes. It's, it's really cute. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, okay, we're going to, to, cut, to talk a little bit more about the little huddler but i'm really curious because you said that you went to asia but why asia i mean the world is huge but why that specific place what what do you like the most or or what were your motivation or what were you looking at originally i um i decided that i want to go to asia when i was 12. (laughs) so when i was 12 i said i want to live in japan uh, mm-hmm. I was a huge Japan fan. Like it started in Germany, we used to have this um, TV channel, and every German in my age group knows it and probably watched it after school. I used to watch it with my brother. I used mm-hmm. to show um, anime, you know, the Japanese uh-huh. anime shows like Naruto, Death Note. Yeah, Naruto, I love those. Or you know, I was a huge fan. That's how it started, and then mm-hmm. like either it's how it is with kids you have an interest and then you either grow out of it or you grow into it and i really grew into it i was so into um like japanese history japanese architecture japanese food and like all that and (laughs) i guess do you like the mojis i love mojis mochi Uh, yeah the dessert yeah Oh it's yeah, so... it's amazing. It's so good. I I miss it. <laughs> I miss it so <laughs> Japanese desserts, anyway, are in my opinion the best in the world. But um, Japanese desserts and tiramisu. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So I when I was fourteen, I then said, okay, I want to live in Japan. I have to learn Japanese. So I like started learning Japanese while in Germany, and then um, when I when I finished school, I went to um, Japan. So I went to do work and travel 
working mm-hmm. holiday in Japan. I was um, for a few months. I lived in like a, a little resort town north of Tokyo, and I was flipping pancakes in a mm-hmm. Hawaiian restaurant. So that was my first abroad experience. <laughs> that was pretty hardcore, actually. Like, um, if you're like, if you want to go abroad, um, but you're a bit like, you find the whole thing a little daunting. That's probably not the best thing to do because <laughs> massive culture shock, different language and whatnot. But it was first job ever, and like completely on your own. That was an experience, and then from there, I just kind of stayed in Asia. Um, I never really planned for that, but I just ended up traveling around. So I spent time in Malaysia. Um, I spent time in Manila in the Philippines. I spent time in in Taiwan, and uh, I then from there I, I traveled to like many other places in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and if and then like I traveled elsewhere too, but that's where I say I spent the the longest amount of time. Um, up until like two years ago or so, mm-hmm. um, and the what I you asked what I love about it. I mm-hmm. as a lot of things I love um, specifically about Southeast Asia. Like um, I loved Malaysia. I, I I still love Malaysia. And whenever somebody asks me, like, look, I wanna, for example, a lot of um, Germans lately want to move abroad. They want to move mm-hmm. to another country for for reasons can get into that but anyway (laughs) um so normally like a lot of them go to switzerland because it's basically germany but less annoying for them um Mm -hmm. and for the more adventurous ones i always say like go to malaysia it's an amazing country i don't know if have have you been in malaysia not yet it's it's great it's there is a a culture of openness there and uh you're very welcome there and um you feel very like it's very warm and it's extremely it's obviously extremely different for a german uh like myself to go there uh, it, culturally completely completely different um you very much like immediately learn that uh, punctuality german punctuality is not very much appreciated there but at the same time it's like <laughs> it's a much more free um it's a much more free life you you have less of the um bureaucracy that we're dealing with in germany you have more freedom you have more room to think outside the box mm-hmm. and you have in my opinion some of the best food in the world because it's a melting pot <laughs> of cultures so yeah actually there's a very high percentage of people especially in kuala lumpur it's the capital mm-hmm. is expats Mm-hmm. So you have so much good food there. I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough. Once you had um, Asian food in the area, and then you go back to your non-Asian area, you, you can never like you, you start to appreciate the original flavors that you uh-huh. get. That that was um, yeah. But those are some of the reasons why I really love it there. But obviously the weather and it's always sunny you never need to check the weather report so Mm -hmm. um yeah really 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 love it there and i really want to go back i hope there's more like bitcoin events over there yeah um, going forward they're usually very centered in north america and europe uh lately more in latin america which is cool but asia it's still lacking a little bit the bitcoin only events i would say um but yeah, it's that's what I some of the stuff I love <laughs> about the area. <laughs> okay, now that, now that you uh, touched the the subject about about Bitcoin, how when was the first time that you heard it, and how do you discover it? It was in the pandemic, or do you heard about it before? How was your how was your rabbit hole journey basically? Uh, yeah, my my Bitcoin story is very not glorious. I uh, came to Bitcoin through shit coins, so my first touching point. Also me, were... don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it gets easier the the further away that time um, becomes time wise, the the easier it gets to talk about it. But still, it's not mm-hmm. the best story. Anyway, it was 2017, so that that generation um, during the hype season. And at the time, I was living in Asia and I was doing marketing. I was like freelance marketing. Um, and I, I was hired by a project 
that was like blockchain-y and, and all that. And I had never never had any touching points with um, the space before, never heard about Bitcoin before. Yeah. And um, yeah. I was just hired to do some marketing work. And I just thought, cool, um, some tech project, like, let's, let's do the best we can, right? And um, through that project and through some other projects, I started going to events um, and conferences and all that. And because it was that time, it's uh, it's kind of surreal for me to think back to those events because it's the kind of event where you go um, just to pitch your coin. So you had a bunch of people go in and just talking to each other about their their weather weather forecast supply chain coin um, yeah. and how how everybody's gonna have a coin and their communities are gonna use it and whatnot. Like it didn't make any sense at all. And um, with time, I realized that and I started questioning and thinking like, okay, look, what what am I contributing here? You know, what's the point? Um, but it took like, it took a couple events to then help me make the switch to Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. And like, obviously, I read some books like, uh, like the Bitcoin standard. Oh, yeah. um, and the Internet of Money is a very, the Bitcoin standard is a bit of a hard read, I think, especially if you're new. Um, but the uh, the Internet of Money, I think, uh, by Andreas Antonopoulos is very is a small book, very quick to read, very easy to read, especially also for non book people. Um, <laughs> that's usually like I I would recommend that a lot for for people who are new to Bitcoin, and those things, and then meeting some Bitcoiners and going to Bitcoin conferences helped um, helped me understand the point of bitcoin and, and do you remember blockchain and yeah. do you remember the moment when you thought like okay this is legit do you remember that um, time or not yeah or it was like a process it was a process it wasn't a specific moment in time but i had like a lot of little aha moments like when i read the books for example or when i went to mm-hmm. conferences talk to people for example and mm-hmm. then i would have these uh like afterwards you, you think about these things and i think like okay look uh, for the first time i'm questioning inflation for example in school mm-hmm. we were taught inflation is normal like i still remember the chart we were looking at in school um where then our economics teacher would tell us look um stuff gets more expensive and that's how it goes and mm-hmm. uh, and I remember like we would go to the the bakery in my in my town and um my parents would say look it, it got more expensive that's how it goes and it's just <laughs> like it is presented to us as a given or it used to be now like situations different but it was just like an a, it, it was the way it was and we accepted that and um you then have to actually break out of that and start questioning which is i think the hardest but the the first and the hardest step um in this rabbit hole journey because we are not conditioned to ask questions about these things that we are indoctrinated with like inflation um obviously now it's really extreme even in in countries like like germany that people are starting to wonder but even then the idea that it's you know the central bank is gonna is gonna fix it and it's gonna be all right and it's just it's COVID's fault um, mm. is very strong. So breaking out of that is the first step, and I think. And once that happened in my head, then obviously uh, the only way is the only way is up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the the thing is that you had to be there there's a certain point i think that you start to realize that or start to asking why this is happening because for me it was like it was also a process and and like you i start with shit coins basically and then i was making my filters and and i was uh reading more watching podcasts and everything actually i also read the Bitcoin standard that I have it over there, but you can see it because my background. <laughs> we all have it somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, for me, it was like, for example, uh, when I started reading the Bitcoin standard, 
I was starting to making a real hard question because if basically is like you said, it's like more condensed, especially if you're not uh, a co- uh, if you don't read that much. But uh, once when you start to asking the question, uh, I started to read the Bitcoin Standard, and it was the money history, like the full story of that. And uh, for me, I actually. I love the stories of the uh, about everything, the history, the the Europe, uh, even Latin America, everything. So, and like, uh, for example, we had in the past we have the colon, and the colony was our currency back then, and then we we make we had the dollarization like in in the early uh, two thousand, but then for us it was just like um, it, it was not the solution because. Uh, for example, in that in that time when we adopted the dollar, it, or if you compare it with the colon, it was like uh, eight point almost nine the devaluation devaluation that we had because our currency was worth that much that less sorry uh, compared to the dollar. So imagine when we have the dollarization and then. Uh, or grandparents that saved the money for all, all the, their lives, so the dollar, and then how is divided by nine? I mean, even our parents, right? So, yeah. yeah. So for me, that was the moment, and I was start to asking, okay, why this is this is not okay? And and then just start ask more and more and more, and then I say, okay, so just so yeah, it's it was also for me it was a process, and then actually. It is something related. I have an idea or more likely a question because it's related with the little holder. And now that everything is related with Bitcoin that we're talking right now, because you have a, a really great skill because you make like a, a one comic or, or or one post or something that is currently happening in the world related to the macroeconomics of Bitcoin. And then you post it with the little holder. How How is your process to to condense all the information that is happening right now and just to post it because, for example, anything, just like, for example, the Valentine's Day that you posted yesterday, uh, it was like really simple, but we also get it, you know, <laughs> or, or, or even when the, when the, the uh, IMF said that the, the Bitcoin's risk didn't... Uh, happened yet in El Salvador because whatever, because it wasn't the time. You just condensed the old information and post it on the on the little holder just like did and we all get it. So how <laughs> how's your process to, to condense that much information? I think the approach is to just go um, a bit like the opposite direction that you would think you go with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is very complex. Finance is very complex. Technology is very complex. Everything is very complicated. Um, and when we think about, okay, how do we convey this? Uh, we It's very easy for everyone, me included, to then go into too much detail or start off too complicated. And if you then my, what I'm thinking always is I'm, I'm explaining this to someone who doesn't have much time, who maybe is a, is a Gen Z or whatever, and, you know, uh, spoiled mm-hmm. by TikTok and has an attention span of seven seconds, max. <laughs> and uh, who doesn't want to read, who likes visual stuff, you know, and who doesn't want to, you know, it's like you're scrolling through your phone, basically. And when you're scrolling through your phone, especially if you're like on your Twitter feed or whatever, most of the time you're not that, um, you, you don't, want a, a like a, a, cha- a mental challenge at this at that point so mm-hmm. that's what i always think my comics have to fit into um so the the overarching theme of everything i do is i try to keep it as simple as possible which is actually it's easy to forget that the longer you are in the space because the more you're involved with bitcoin and the more you learn about it the more you understand and the more you tend to assume um, a certain base understanding of Bitcoin. So you always have to like come back to the beginning where you kept things very simple. But there's different different ways to make that work. Obviously, some of my comics are um, 
specifically like they uh, allude to something where then I assume this base understanding where only a bit corner can get it. But some are just very basic. Um, sometimes it helps to break things down to their core message. So for example, the IMF is a great example of um, you can, if you break away all the noise, you just look at what happened and then you go back in time. Time is the Bitcoiners, uh, is a Bitcoiner's strongest argument. It's our best weapon is to just look at a time span and then show that. And that's usually with these um, institutions what I can do very easily. Because, for example, IMF said the risks haven't, what did they say? Risks haven't materialized yet. Yeah. Um, it will still happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I immediately think, okay, look, what did they say two years ago? Um, and what are they saying now? Basically, they're conceding um, that they were wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, that's all. And that's then the idea that I want to show. It's not even for these things. It's not even, I'm not even coming up with anything. I'm just taking what they said then versus exactly. what they're saying now. And I'm making it look cute and nice. <laughs> That's really all I'm doing with those things. Um, so that is one way, right? And um, yeah, funny enough, um, the central banks, the governments, the institutions, they keep giving me these things because they keep not getting it um, mm. or not wanting to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. And then for other things, it's uh, there's so many concepts involved with Bitcoin, for example, scarcity. Mm-hmm. that then you can um, look at from different angles. So I can I can make se- several comics about the same concept and just focus on one aspect of that concept. And my my um, ambition is not to give you a comic and then you understand everything or to give you a comic and then you're completely, for example, the, the Valentine's Day one about scarcity. Uh, it's not you look at the comic and then you understand why Bitcoin scares. Obviously you don't. It's like cute, it's happy, but it gives the idea that you value things that are scarce. And then it it does two things. One is it sets the mood. It like opens the Bitcoin topic up to you a little. It makes it more mm-hmm. friendly, less scary, less complicated. Um, and the second is maybe it piques people's interest. And they're more willing to then read about it. I mean, that's how it goes for many Bitcoiners, I think, because um, mm-hmm. like, there's also a question that obviously I often get is like, why are there not that many women and mm-hmm. all that stuff? Um, because women are generally less represented in finance and tech and all that. Um, the, the whole thing seems very complicated. But once you're at a point where your interest is, is peaked, then you want to learn more and then you start listening to the podcasts maybe then you start reading the blog posts then mm-hmm. you're out of the TikTok scroll mode and you mm-hmm. actually want to educate yourself mm-hmm. um and that's kind of you know that's where then i pass on the uh, i don't know the education torch to um <laughs> someone like you or someone like btc sessions or someone mm-hmm. like um um preston pish or you know and mm-hmm. That's kind of where I see my role. So I try not to complicate things. I try to, um, yeah, picture, sometimes just picture situations, sometimes just do something very simple, but always do it in like a good mood because it's, I feel like that's needed, especially yeah. lately. Yeah, exactly. So that that's your goal with the little huddler to, to educate in a, in a funny way. Mm. Yeah, make it, make it, Welcoming, make it warm, make it huggable. <laughs> By the way, thank you for uh, if you want to say it. But hold on, guys, because I have to. I have a problem over here. Thank you for the mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope you like it. Yeah. It your drinks warm. It's a thermal, thermal mug. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, what are, what other. Um, products do you have because i mean you have the comics and by the way you you uh, recently uh, have your launched your comic right like 100 pages book? Yeah, yeah your book your, your book yeah, yeah i put it very like inconspicuously i put it in the background 
Yeah, that's probably um, together with my obviously the the original hodler. That's probably like the biggest deal in in my line of products because mm-hmm. obviously he was the first. But this is like the compilation of um, my my first 100 comics. So I worked on the the like all together, meaning the comics themselves, and then the the book design and the whole process of creating a book for I think a year and a half. So oh. it's a it's a huge it's a huge deal for me, and I was very picky with like what the book looks like in the end. So it ended up really heavy, but it's like you can put it on your, I don't know, you put it on your coffee table, and you can, you know, you can always like go through the pages again. It's it's the little hodler, so it's easy to read. Do it's, you have a favorite one, <laughs> like a someone, some one that you did draw that you said, ah, oh, I love this one because I don't know for any reason that you love it like a lot good question <laughs> um i have oh my god i think nobody ever asked me that or did they anyway <laughs> i am very i'm very fond of uh there's two i'm very fond of but just because i i noticed the reaction to the comics mm-hmm. um and i get it again and again that i feel like they're very effective in what they want to um convey that one is this one mm-hmm. it's called zoom out because now I'm gonna a, look at it. Uh-huh. It's a. Can you see it? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> it's a one-page comic. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that's and cool. It basically, it basically shows the price over time. Uh-huh. Wow, that's... And Bitcoin, yeah. right? Okay. I did that. Well, you can probably based on where the new stuff you can see where when I did it. Uh-huh. Um, it's cool. very easy because it, it picks up this argument that we get all the time when the price goes up. <laughs> it's a bubble. I love and that. Then, that it's, then some point said, Elon, if you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that was the time when Elon would just say Bitcoin and the price would spike. Mm. Or say Doge and the price would drop or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was dumb. Anyway, <laughs> that was one of the um, very popular ones. And you know, kind of based on that, I really like it. And I also just like it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, that's actually three, I'll give you three. <laughs> another okay, one is, is, is this one. It, it goes over two double pages. Ah, I, I know that one. I love those, that one. It's, yeah, it's a recent one. It's basically how how the no-coiner, the pre-coin or the new-coiner. And the bit-coiners. <laughs> react to a price drop. <laughs> Guys, if, if you're watching this, well, if you're uh, listening this in, in podcast in, in in Spotify or Apple Podcasts, she's, she's showing uh, her book, and the, the one that just showed up uh, right now is one of my favorite because it says no coiners, new co- new coiners, and bitcoiners, and it's lovely. <laughs> it's That's amazing. usually comparison that works because we all get it because we all were no coiners before, we were new coiners before, and now we're bitcoiners. So it's yeah. a very logical progression. Mm. And uh, my first ever comic, again, it's on the, in the book, it's uh, like four double pages. I gave it a lot of space. So I'm oh. just going to show you the final one. Um, okay, but okay. that was my first official comic. So really? I posted, yeah. Wow. So my first non-PowerPoint um, comic <laughs> with the actual <laughs> character in there. The one that, that you was, drew on your iPad, this one. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that was that one. Um, that I posted, and I made that. I decided that is Little Huddler's birthday, so that I posted uh, 2021, April mm-hmm. 17th, and mm-hmm. uh, that is still, I think, the most popular comic I've ever made, and um, that's why it's very, yeah, very fun. <laughs> I'm very fond of it. Yeah, congratulations! I'm really fond Thank of you. the Little Huddler. It's really fun. But uh, before we continue on Bitcoin, I know we both are fun of something that. <laughs> We're both fans of ah! Belgium. <laughs> how do you how do you describe? I I know it's not related about Bitcoin or Little Hunter, but I'm just curious. And so, how do you discover this guy? How do you discover Grogu, and why do you love it so much? <laughs> I'm two years late. Like, you are two years I'm, late. I'm two years late on that. Like I have no idea how that went past me. I I just <laughs> discovered Grogu a couple months ago maybe mm-hmm. that was like i don't i don't even know how i was so, so cute. <laughs> sorry for the noise 
Yeah, um, <laughs> God, what happened? I think I was just sending a gif to someone on Telegram. And I saw that, and it was the one where he's running, and he's so <laughs> cute. And then I was like, oh my god. And I, I went to YouTube, and they have these Grogu comp- compilations, which is the cute things with Grogu. And it's well, have you seen the show, or, or just the, or you're just fan of I Grogu? I haven't seen the show, I've just seen it. Really? <laughs> you're going to love the show. I mean, he's the star recently, of the show. Yeah, I recently got Disney Plus, so uh, now okay. I can watch it. So I posted it. I posted an Instagram story. I was like, oh my God, this is so cute. And then I got um, replies, people asking, what's it like living in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it so much. I want one. I want one. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, guys, uh, I just saw the second season. The uh, I think it was in January of this year. So <laughs> I'm a little bit late. <laughs> I so heard I'm there's going to be a third one. So I got to I got to yeah, you have to watch it. Uh, you're you're definitely gonna love it because I mean he's the star <laughs> of the show. He's really nice. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. He he's the best. But baby baby, <laughs> he's wonderful. <laughs> okay, back to back to to Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, okay, I prepared some questions because uh, I had to make a little of work <laughs> just to have fun. <laughs> So I have a prepared question for you. <laughs> so I have a prepared question, and it says, like, um, how do you think Bitcoin is changing the way people think about trust, money, and transparency beyond beyond financial financial transactions? That's a good question, <laughs> and I think it's fundamentally changing it um, for every Bitcoiner. And that again, um, I think you only understand if you're a Bitcoiner, like without wanting to like put like be, like acting like a, a guardian of sorts um, or a gatekeeper of sorts. Like once you're in the Bitcoin space and you've, you you own Bitcoin and you you kind of have the touch in points, you start questioning a lot of other things. And the trust uh, vertical is a huge one with that because uh, Bitcoin questions and challenges our understanding of money and our understanding of how a currency should work. Mm. And it fundamentally changes how we uh, spend and uh, how, how we, how we need not spend, treat and own our money. Because once you, once you own your Bitcoin and you can um, use it and you don't have a bank getting nosy about it or, um, you know, some kind of middleman taking fees or stopping payments or asking for documentation or whatnot, you realize that your money in the bank, you don't own it. It's probably not even there. Um, And that is the first step to then questioning a lot of things because it's not just finance. It's then you see how the media talks about Bitcoin and you start seeing, look, there's a lot of reports about Bitcoin that aren't researched at all, that just pick some sensationalized talking points and then you start questioning, okay, um, is is that an honest mistake in a specific article or is there an agenda behind it? And then you see things like, for example, um, there was this campaign, this change the code campaign where they wanted Bitcoin to move from proof of work to proof of stake or something. Yeah. And they put millions of dollars in that campaign. And then you see the articles and the media reports about it and you see, okay, there's money involved. And then you start thinking from there, if that mm-hmm. is how they report on Bitcoin, how do they report on other issues? Mm-hmm. And you see how politicians talk about Bitcoin and you start seeing all these, you start questioning a lot of things in a way it's very unsettling because you question the wor- the way the world is presented to you. Um, in another way, it's kind of liberating. So as, as Bitcoiners, we then, be, that's, that's why Don't Trust Verify is so fitting mm-hmm. for, for the way we think, because we don't take things at, at face value. We, we start understanding that in order to, um, you know, have an opinion on something, we can't just take the first thing we see and adopt that. If we mm-hmm. want to actually have a, a confident opinion, uh, then we have to put in the work and, and do some research. 
And um, I, I also know from, from my own experience that then in some, once you have that adopt that way of thinking, obviously you, you apply it to everything in your life. And then at some points you very quickly see the, the limits of that because you cannot don't trust verify your entire mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, probably a big example and also a very popular one among Bitcoiners is the food debate, the diet debate. I mean, that is just something where at some point you got to say, okay, look, I don't know because, um, nutritional studies and food studies are so hard to, um, like it's so hard to prove and so hard to pinpoint because studies, if you want a clean study, you got to take people, you got to pick people that are same age, same sex, same weight, same whatever, put them in a room and put a camera on them and watch them all day and then feed them whatever food you're doing the study on to then make sure that your your results aren't falsified. Because, for example, uh, studies where like eggs, for example, are regularly healthy and unhealthy, right? It's regularly good for, for you, regularly bad for you because of some new study that came out. Um, but you you can only like the study can only show you so much in that regard because you don't know what your your participant is doing outside of the study are they a smoker do they work out do they sit all day like th those kinds of things you can ask but then you know there's a certain level of uncertainty involved in that those that's where you you hit the limits of um the the, the don't just verify model okay. um, but being aware of that and in, in many regards, not just food, that's just the example. I think being aware of that is, is, is good because it gives you some kind of level of caution and it's sort of this, this, uh, Socrates kind of way where we, we know that we know, was that him? I don't know. <laughs> and I even, I don't even, I can't even quote it correctly, but just I know that I don't know anything, you know, and then, um, that is a level of awareness that gives you a whole new foundation to um, even talk about things. And um, again, I'm not saying every Bitcoiner is like that. I'm not saying every non-Bitcoiner is not like that. But mm -hmm. generally, the the Bitcoin understanding path has the potential to lead you to that. And that's, as I said, very unsettling in some ways, because then you, you think, oh, my God, who can I trust? What can I believe? Uh, yeah. On the other hand, it's like, a, yeah, it it makes a lot of things clearer, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. Uh, so before we continue with the, with, the, with the podcast, we have like 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so. Uh, but I tell you that we have a little game and I think <laughs> people that are watching the show already know what is that. <laughs> this is the section that is called Hard Truths. So it's a little game. Uh, <laughs> don't make that face. <laughs> it's it's called hard truths, but that are not hard. It's rock paper scissors, and the loser, the loser pick uh, three random questions, and the winner asks the questions, and the loser has to uh, respond the question, <laughs> answer the question. So okay. there are random questions about anything, and there are not Bitcoin related. I think. It's about it. anything, yeah. And just to make it a little bit fun, I'm not that okay. serious. <laughs> so let's do it. Uh, you have the web, the website. Oh, you're sorry. <laughs> you're so competitive. <laughs> I was preparing my page. <laughs> I was opening. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> do you have the browser open? <laughs> I have it. I have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I say when I hold on. When I say scissors, uh, we show it. We show. All right. Okay. 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 One. Oh, one more, huh? You draw. No, draw. It means nothing. There were oh, three. Really? So yeah. So oh, I make a question. Okay. You make a question, and the other one, no one makes a question. <laughs> do, do I pick a question and you answer, or do do I pick a question and you ask me the question? No, you you pick a random question and I make the question, but you don't have to look at it. Just think of, of one, one question, ah. random, quick, 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 quick. Oh God! Okay, okay. No pressures. Um, um, <laughs> ah, 
What's your favorite food? No, no, no. Ask a, a random question, a random number. Oh, a random number. Yeah. <laughs> But what is your favorite food? <laughs> My favorite food. Uh, that's actually a good question. It's um, oranges, I think. No, oranges. Yeah, oranges and apples. I like both. Mm. What about you? <laughs> oh, my fa my favorite my favorite dish is uh, where I grew up. There is a Greek restaurant. It's mm -hmm. run by a Greek family um, in my in my hometown, and they have a um, they have a bunch of obviously really good Greek dishes. But they they make a sauce. It's like a, a metaxa sauce, probably a Greek thing. Um, it's the best I've ever had. Or you could put it on your like meat or on your pasta or whatever. It's so good. And ah, it's the best. I've never had anything like that anywhere else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds delicious. And uh, okay, so pick a random a, number. A random number. I'm going to ask okay. you. Okay. Um, 31. 31. Okay. <laughs> um,. Oh wow, this is deep. Oh god, okay. <laughs> it says <laughs> I I'm gonna give you some seconds to think about it because it says what's your biggest regret in life? Oh my god. <laughs> oh that is deep. Oh why did I can I change my number? <laughs> yeah, you can change it if you don't want to go that deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail, but no, um, it's, it's probably a regret that um, many people have. And I think especially girls mm -hmm. um, and especially if you're um, like in your early 20s or whatever, and you're on your own, mm -hmm. um, sometimes people take advantage of you. And that is a regret I have. But then it's like, you know, I, I don't want to be too hard on myself because those are those things turn into experiences. So um, I, I, I think I did let some people take advantage of me um, too much in the past. And that is a regret I have. But then at the same time, it's like it, it became a learning experience. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It's a lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you passed the exam. And the shit coins. That's also yeah. great. <laughs> Actually, for me, yeah, that's one. That's... <laughs> okay, okay, so, so now for you me, say number, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know, 45? 45. All right. Uh, what? What's, what's the last movie that made you cry? Last movie that made me cry? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if moody movie, but uh, actually a TV show I was watching, and and everyone that is watching this show right now that is really popular, The Last of Us. Have you seen it? Oh, I no? haven't, but I've heard of it. I've heard it's very very. Okay, good. so I I don't want to make any spoilers, but the third episode and people that have watched this show probably are related to, with me. Uh, it's it's really hard that story. It it shows you a story about a couple, and that's it. Everything that I'm going to about it uh but it's really hard and it's really motivating so it didn't make me cry but i felt like mm, my heart just smashed crushed and <laughs> it broke into a thousand pieces because it's really hard the story but um, yeah right. yeah so <laughs> yeah, thank so, you yeah. for sharing <laughs> <laughs> thanks <to you. laughs> okay so <laughs> let's back with the uh, Uh, with the interview uh, we're almost wrapping up so uh, just uh, two questions that I want to make you before wrap it up and one is what do you think are the biggest misconceptions uh, surrounding Bitcoin and how do you address those people who are skeptical or misinformed, misinformed about it mm. I mean obviously there's loads of misconceptions um, well, the biggest ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah So right now, probably the most popular one is the whole environmental thing that Bitcoin's so bad for the environment and there's different ways to address it. Like, obviously, we're not really fans of, well, I'm not really a fan of the whataboutism. Like, yeah, Bitcoin does this, but look at the dollar or whatever. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, but 
there's the whole i mean it, it's a whole thing like how bitcoin incentivizes renewables and all that i'm not going to get into that um another probably huge dis- misconception is just what, that bitcoin's dead again um <laughs> and generally i am not the kind of person who tries um super hard to convince people otherwise because if you're set in your ways with your opinion you don't want someone um coming and talking to you about how bitcoin fixes everything because that actually reinforces the whole cult um thing that the whole cult image that is going on with with bitcoiners um i and i also know if i'm not interested in something or if i have an opinion on something i don't want somebody trying to change it it's gonna like i'm just gonna shut off i'm not gonna really listen so Mm -hmm. my my approach probably yeah my, my approach is always just like let some time pass and just show that I am in the space and I continue being in the space that price doesn't shake me, that um, FUD articles in the media don't shake me, that I just keep doing my thing and that Bitcoin also just keeps doing it, its thing. And normally what then happens is after some time, be it a couple months or years, people come back and say, mm, look, there was something there. Let's check in on let's check in on Lena. Like, oh, she's still around. Hmm, okay. Um, <laughs> and then they come asking questions, and then you you have a completely different starting point where you can actually um, talk about things. I'm actually um, I noticed that, and I didn't I don't do that consciously, but I'm more of a question asking person. That's also Socrates, I think. <laughs> anyway, the Socratic method or whatever, where you ask questions, yeah, to then help yeah. the other side get to. A conclusion or both sides get to a conclusion um because i i think once you start asking the right questions and um thinking about things yourself you actually realize the logic behind bitcoin mm-hmm. and that's how i i like talking about things because uh, the whole fiat system is very illogical in ways and very dumb in ways and uh it's actually not that hard to get to to understanding that so mm-hmm. yeah that's okay. my approach okay okay and uh uh two last questions uh one is how do you see bitcoin uh, evolution in the next five to ten years especially here in europe because we're in europe um so how do you see it and the relationship relationship between bitcoin and uh, the relations uh, with the eu uh, with the eu relations <laughs> Oh, the EU is such a wild card. It is really <laughs> confusing. I have no idea what they're up to. <laughs> what yeah. I do know is they're going to come out with a CBDC. Um, and that is mm. that they obviously don't want you using Bitcoin. So there's mm. kind of a closing window where you can um, kind of escape that surveillance um, with Bitcoin. I don't think and i hope not that um it would become illegal at some point i think that would be really dumb and i think uh eu politicians still have enough reason um like reason and like reasonable thinking to Mm -hmm. um, see that that would be a very bad move from a game theory perspective but i think the eu is going to be much slower in adopting bitcoin than other regions so generally, mm-hmm. Bitcoin is going to be much faster, um, far further reaching and faster adopted in um, areas like Latin America, like El Salvador, where mm-hmm. you know the openness to it is much more open because you know you've seen the arbitrariness of fiat money. We are very spoiled in Europe with our currencies um, that we have this this naive trust. In, in the central bank, which is fading now, but still it's, it's, this thinking is very ingrained in us. So the openness to something like Bitcoin is, is much less present. So I think it's going to be slower. I do think, I think it's still going to be there just because of the economic incentives of Bitcoin. Um, and there's a lot of startups that are lobbying with the governments in the region to make them understand bitcoin and to help them 
set the regulations and legislations accordingly, it's going to be more restrictive. It's going to be more controlling. There's going to be more surveillance. Um, and it's not going to make sense. But I think it's going to uh, stay around. Uh, yeah. I, well, it's going to stay around anyway, but I think the EU is going to have to accept it in some shape or form if it wants to stay relevant. Yeah. And um, actually, I was going to ask you the last question, but just out of curiosity, uh, you met Nayibu Keller, right? And yeah, I did. Yeah. How, how was it? How it was? How was he approachable? And how was your story? Oh Maybe yeah, you... totally. No, totally. Um, oh, how did that happen? Um, I messaged him with a request for a documentary or something. I think. Um, sometime in 2021, um, I didn't hear back, <laughs> but then <laughs> like two months later, he DM'd me and, um, he said, look, you're in Istanbul, right? Um, I want one of your hodlers. I'm coming there. Can we oh, meet? Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, um, yeah, I'm very busy, but sure. <laughs> so, and, Let um, me see my schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he was coming to Turkey to meet um, um, some investors and meet Erdogan too. And um, then we met, he had like a thing, um, like a like a dinner thing. And mm -hmm. I went there with my partner. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, we actually sat down, had a coffee. And um, I, it's still kind of, I mean, in the end, he's a person, right? But it's yeah, still, exactly. um, if I think about like any German The German chancellor would never do that, you know. It's like you're not gonna just have the opportunity to sit down with him and have a coffee, right? But he actually he took the time, and we we sat for like two hours or so, just uh, talking about everything. Yeah. And um, he is very approachable. He's very smart, I mm -hmm. think. Um, yeah. He's very reflected. Like he has a very reflected, self-reflected view on on things, mm. and a very rational way to look at um at society and how a society is built and how mm -hmm. a society functions so mm -hmm. it's I, i feel like he gets a lot of things and okay. i had a yeah i had a i had a really really good impression mm -hmm. of him and i okay. wish more politicians were like that honestly yeah yeah, yeah. but you haven't visited Salvador yet right yeah I'm like probably the last Bitcoiner who hasn't gone. Like I have to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should visit it. <laughs> it you, you're gonna love my country. And uh, I, I'm sure I wanna I wanna go so bad. Yeah. I, I will my plan is to go this week. Uh, this week this week, yeah. Oh, this week, what? <laughs> <laughs> this, this year, one way or another. <laughs> I'm gonna go there. Even if I just go on vacation or something like Yeah. yeah, exactly. Actually, I was <laughs> going to tell you that that you have to to eat pupusas and drink our coffee is is the best. <laughs> I heard, I heard about the Salvadoran coffee. Yeah, I gotta, mm. I gotta come. <laughs> okay, okay, and uh, okay. So, uh, last question: um, What do you? What are your plans for your personal plans? Your personal plans, or even with the little huddler for this year? What are your goals? I'm actually working on my I'm working on my personal plans in my head these days. Um, <laughs> little hodler <laughs> plans are um, all a lot, but doing a lot of things. Uh, we're trying to get into more physical spaces. Like mm -hmm. um, I just think there's a lot of value in having the product somewhere physically where you can walk by and you see it and you get interested in it. So that's something that we're working on. Obviously, a bunch of new products. Um, and a lot of things to just improve our offering. Um, a lot of people asking for Amazon, so that's what something we're working on. Okay. Um, generally, conferences, lots of conferences are happening, and a lot of things that are still a secret. <laughs> and, okay. Um, <laughs> personally, I yeah, I I feel like I have a I have a strong urge to go spend some time in Asia again. Like as I said, I'm like really. That's my area, I feel. Okay. But I also really want to come to um, El Salvador. I've never been to Latin America. <laughs> and like how, <laughs> I really, mm -hmm. I feel like 
I don't know. I'm so interested. I I feel like I I might really, it might really fit my 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 vibe. <laughs> so I really want to see it. <laughs> Please, I, I, this is a, a personal request. If you go to El Salvador, you have to orange peel my mom. My my dad is or, already orange peeled, but maybe my mom, if you were watching this, maybe with the little hodler, with <laughs> she, <laughs> she should definitely take the peel and see what we can. <laughs> mom, I will bring you a hodler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom. <laughs> no, um, and okay, I think that's it. And uh, thank you very much for being in the space and talk a little bit about yourself and the little hodler and everything. Ragu, even. She's <laughs> 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 <It's> amazing. <laughs> thank you so much, Lena. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, see you the next week, guys. And uh, have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. Ciao.